Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 143. As England take on Wales in Cardiff in the second of their World Cup warm-ups, and we're joined by guest listener Billy. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, it's obviously a huge day. Um, it's the first of our live pods, our semi-live pods. Uh, we obviously missed last week. Um, but as you know, we're obviously missing Dan uh, again. Um, we couldn't let another live pod slip by. So we have a long-time listener and a fan of the pod, Billy, joining us today. Thank you so much, Billy, for joining us. This is uh, re- you know, massively appreciated by us. Um, and who knows, maybe Dan is... Uh, in for a little competition, um, and since he's not here to defend himself, anything goes. Yeah, well, you know, considering he's a he's an East Queensland boy and I'm an Eastbourne boy, um, we are we are better than them naturally. So he needs to be looking over his shoulder. I think. <laughs> so it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Now, Billy, you uh, you you will be better known to some of our listeners as Budgie Jointed. You've obviously um, reached out to us on a number of occasions, witnessed some pretty uh, some pretty uh, compelling reviews. Really appreciate those. Um, you mentioned in one of your messages that, that you were looking to keep you keep your your real name under wraps. Um, concerned about uh, your teammates referring to you as King Nils. Now you've hit the uh, the glittering heights of media supremacy that is the England Rugby Pod. Do you feel like uh, you might turn that around? Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I think um, with the with the whole Eastbourne and East Quinton thing, they would have clocked who it was anyway. So you know, I thought I'd best just get ahead of it. Get get out in front of it, exactly. And, yeah, uh, own it. it. Yeah. Well, you know, they're all they're all looking up to you now, of course, because this is uh, <laughs> the pin the pinnacle of uh, of rugby punditry. Um, of but yeah, look, really appreciate you uh, you joining us because yeah, we, you know, with Dan obviously tied up with with work. Um, quite why he decided that uh, you know waiting until the World Cup starts. Was the right time to get himself a new job? I don't know, but there it is. And uh, yeah, of course, you got to got to pay the bills. So yeah, um, great to have you on board. Um, I think. Look, we're going to obviously talk lots about uh, this game. Um, lots lots of stuffs going on. Uh, but before we uh, crack on with discussing what we can expect to see a little bit later on, uh, this is our first live pod of the World Cup. So it only seems right that we kick things off with a bit of inspiration. Uh, so before we crack on, have a bit of this. This is the one. It's coming back for Johnny Wilkinson. He drops for World Cup glory. Yes! It's up. It's over. Yes! He's done it. Johnny Wilkinson is England's hero yet again. And there's no time for Australia to come back. England have just won the World Cup. Now, I think we are probably ready. Um, first up, uh, McConaughey, 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 yeah. Um, obviously, we've all been looking forward to seeing him get his first sort of run out in an England shirt. He's been a bit of a sort of uh, an unexpected call up from Eddie. Uh, one season, obviously, in the Premiership, come from sevens, uh, and today was going to be the day. We we're going to get that opportunity to see, you know, why is this call being made, and, and was he going to be another kind of Willie Hines, and were we all going to kind of turn around at the end and be, ah, oh, makes sense now. He's injured again. Bit of muscle strain, I think it is, uh, and Watson gets the start ahead of him. Disappointed? Yeah, I wanted to see him to see him in an England shirt. I've, I've kind of got two two different thoughts on on McConaughey. 
One is that either Eddie Jones has been practicing some witchcraft and he's brought him in the squad um, to sort of take on all the injuries that Manu Tuolagi would normally pick up nice. and that he's, he's just going to be used as, as sort of injury fodder. Um, or that he's so good that he doesn't want to give anyone a look at him before the World Cup. I think it's it's one of them. I, I like the second one. That sounds very Eddie Jones, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it does. Either, either that or he's planning to uh, to replace him um, and it's it's a known plan in camp or something bizarre. Um, yeah, Exactly. I mean, Eddie loves a bit of that. But yeah, disappointing obviously not to see him get a run out and just to kind of see what he's all about. Uh, it does make way for Watson to get another... Uh, another crack at the cherry and obviously you know he looked awesome last week Anthony Watson so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing him have another go and just seeing if it was you know if if the old form is is back permanently because um, I think he's he's definitely uh, putting in a pretty pretty good sort of bid for for owning one of those uh, well for owning I guess the 14 shirt do you think it's the right call to have him run out again, or would you like to have seen Johnny May step in in his place, given that uh, that he's not had his run out in the in the warm ups yet, or do you think that's just a plan that's that's ready for the next couple of games? Yeah, I think we all know that that Johnny May's our our sort of gun winger. Um, um, Watson's obviously been injured for a little while, and I know he's come back and played for Bath, but we've not really seen him regularly in an England shirt for a while. So I like the idea of giving him as much game time before the World Cup as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I prefer him at fullback, but Eddie's the man, and in Eddie we trust. So he yeah. says he's a winger. He's a winger. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the fact he's picked six at the back, um, and for, for pretty much all of them, you know, with the exception probably of Johnny May and, and Joe, Big Joe, um, can cover uh, fullback if necessary. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like Watson, I th- as part of anything else, I think it's his dominance under the high ball. Um, you know, I wouldn't want. To not have Daly involved, but at the same time, I just feel like Daly's almost a bit of a target, and it's probably a little bit unfair because because actually he hasn't made any huge you know glaring errors uh, in the in the fifteen shirt. Um, but I just I don't know. There was something about the way Watson played under the high ball last week, um, and I guess we'll get the opportunity to see if if that again you know is the case this weekend. Um, that just that just I don't know I had a little bit more confidence in him in the fifteen shirt, and I wonder whether Watson at fifteen Daly on the wing would be a better shout, um, or even you know even have a look at Daly as I mean I, I'm what we I mentioned I think in the last pod with Dan, but you know is Daly a potential cover at thirteen? Third choice. I actually I I prefer Daly at thirteen and on the wing to at fullback if yeah. I'm perfectly honest. Um, I'm probably different to most people. I really don't see Daly as an international fullback. Um, I think he's world class on the wing. I think he can do a really good job at, at outside centre, which is where he usually plays. But similar to you, I just worry at that bombardment of the high ball when he's at fifteen. If he finds himself isolated there, I feel feel like teams are gonna are gonna use that and, and try and force him into making a, a mistake. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And I, I guess I guess the on the flip side, you know, last week uh, Watson was at fourteen. And yet we were seeing him under the high ball regularly. So clearly they 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 can manage that. Um, it's not like you know old school rugby where you know only the 15s covering across the back. The, these wingers are, are there doing it, and Watson is one of them. So they are they are kind of sharing that workload at the back already. Um, but you know it's not like Watson's short of pace. So <laughs> Daly's not back there because of, because he's got the raw gas uh, to go further. So yeah, it's it'll be an interesting one to see to see where this goes. And if Eddie is really trying out different combinations and, and p- playing people slightly out of position, 
um, you know, daily at 13, it's not really out of position. So it would be quite an interesting one to see. And it's one we haven't seen uh, from him in an England shirt yet. Yeah, I'm really surprised we've never seen never seen him at 13, um, you know, for an extended period of time, considering that's where he plays so well for for Wasps. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a, a bit of a shock. And I feel like we've got, you know, Mike Brown, I know he's not he's not fantastic or exciting, but he's he's safe as, as houses underneath the high ball. And you've got uh, Watson, who I think's the best fullback in the England team. And obviously we've got Goody. Um, yeah. So oh, yeah. I can't, we can't really talk about him anymore. Yeah, I just find it a surprise that Eddie went as daily at 15. But if it works, it works. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, this is, like, like you said, you know, in Eddie we trust, he's, he's made some interesting decisions that people have questioned. And, and, you know, it's all about whether or not it comes good for the World Cup and, you know, certain things that people have been, I wouldn't say up in arms about, but certainly questioning, you know, things like Willie Hines. Uh, I thought last week Willie Hines looked superb and, and genuinely think that uh, he would be the better starter over Ben Youngs at the moment. Uh, just based on what we saw, um, whether or not Eddie will go to that extreme, we'll we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, second start in a row uh, for him. So uh, we'll see how he gets on today and whether he can boss it like he did last week. Yeah, I, I was when when Danny Kerr was left out of the squad as a as a Quinns fan, I was I was pretty upset with that. But seeing Willie Hines last week against Wales, I I agree with you. I think um, I think Ben Youngs is probably looking over his shoulder a little bit. Yeah. Um, so moving moving on from that. I mean, the, the the kind of the Watson Daily question mark at the back and and whether Daily covers thirteen is probably the least of the of the slightly strange um, cover options that, that Eddie's looking at. Um, Joe Marler is obviously normally loose head, covering tight head as well today. Even though Sinclair's also on the bench covering tight head, what, what do you make of this? Or is this just media chatter that's taken away from what's going on in camp? I mean, I I see. I see what, what Eddie's thinking with players that can cover multiple positions. Um, but at, when does it become sort of relevant? If it's against the USA in a group game, okay, fine. We probably doesn't matter too much. If it's in a World Cup semi-final against South Africa or New Zealand, and we've got to play someone at, at loose head that's used to play in tight head or vice versa, or someone in the back row that's used to play in hook, we're, we're going to be in a world of trouble. Yeah, I mean, is this something that I mean? Obviously, the scenario isn't that we want the option to pick, uh, you know, a Joe Marler at tight head or a George Ford at nine. It's it's if something drastic was to happen on the day, um, you know, during the game, and you're short on numbers. But you know, the idea of George Ford covering nine, for example, which is one of the the more bizarre ones, and I know it's he's, a scary thought that. Well, I mean, I believe he was a nine before he was a fly half, but we're talking back at school day, so yeah. he has, by, by all accounts, he has been doing a bit of training uh, in camp, you know, in the nine shirt. Um, but yeah, well, I, I'm I'm trying to imagine a scenario where that's necessary because surely we're always going to have a backup nine on the bench. So unless you're saying we're doing this because what happens if both nines get injured? Which are, you know, it's unlikely, but but it's more than possible. So I, I you know, your starting nine gets an injury in the first five, and yeah, there's every chance that something else could happen. How do you go about putting this into practice, though? Like today, we've obviously got Hines starting. Ben Youngs is on the bench. Is he going to give George Ford ten, fifteen minutes at nine at some point during the game, or is this just, as I say, it's just we're aware that George Ford has been earmarked? As a backup, like, do we think we're going to see him uh, behind the scrum today? At any point? Um, I, I don't think we will, just because we've got options on the bench. Mm. Um, unless, unless you know, Eddie makes a change at, at half time, say, and then twenty minutes in, a little injury, 
then then it might be forced. And I think that's forced, sort yeah. of what he's yeah that we've got the options there if we're really in a tight place and we need to. But hopefully we won't have to see it. Yeah. So you don't yeah. So you don't think we're going to see all these kind of bizarre connotations of how the team comes together. It's just that it's it's there and that's the thinking. That's the thought process. Should it come down to that? Yeah, I think unless we've got sort of a, a 30 point lead and looking pretty good, I don't think there's there's much need for it. Um, I mean, on the flip side, obviously, Jack Singleton, normally hooker, covering the back row today, uh, by all accounts. Because again, um, I think uh, Cowan, uh, no, uh, Jamie George is starting, is he? I think. No, Cowan Dickey's starting. Cowan Dickey's starting, Jamie George is on the bench. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, no, no. Other uh, way around. Oh, no, maybe. I'm sure we've got, I, I'm sure we've got three hookers. I I think, know, yeah, Jamie, yeah, George, so Jamie George is on the bench yes. and Cowan Dickey starts. Yeah. yeah. So so you're assuming that you, you, you've got to assume Jamie George is the guy who's going to come on and replace Cowan Dickey. Singleton obviously can play hooker. Well, he is a hooker, but he's there, I believe, to cover the cover the back row. Um, I mean, is he is he going to come on on the flank uh, and Ludlam move to eight? Is he going to come on at eight? Like, you know, is 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 it just the flank? Are we going to leave Billy on for full eighty again? Are we tempting fate? I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd rather we didn't leave Billy on for the full eighty. If I'm perfectly honest, um, I'm, I'm amazed I, that he's that he's been picked this week. I, I would have thought after the performance he put in last week, and we know what he's capable of, and we saw how strong he was last week. Surely this was an opportunity to um, to, to call in. Um, who am I thinking of? Shoes? No, 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 no. Uh, in the thirty-one, Mark Wilson. Wilson. Mark Wilson. Yeah, who obviously had his first run out for England in the eight shirt. Yeah, I'd be a lot happier if Wilson was starting today. Just just keep Billy wrapped in, in bubble wrap and keep him safe and keep him healthy. Um, he proved last weekend that I don't really think he needs the runouts in the game time because he's just a superstar. And whenever he's on the pitch, he's, he's normally the best player on it. Yeah. Um, the Singleton thing just confuses me a little. I think if you want... If you want a guy that can play hook and can cover the back row, I, I think Harry Thacker's probably the most obvious choice. Yes. Um, but obviously, Eddie... Eddie didn't think that. Didn't um, so I'm a little bit confused by it, but we'll see what happens, I suppose. If Singleton comes on and covers a back row and puts a shift in, then you can't really complain. No, I mean, it's it's great from a from a strength and depth point of view to know that we've got guys all over the park who can play in different positions and that, in theory, you could put a completely different team out from amongst the same 31 and, and you know, it creates lots of options. And um, But the bottom line is you you can bring people out during the World Cup, it's not like your thirty-one is. If you lose any of them, you just got less numbers. If someone gets injured, like seriously injured, you can send them home and you can bring someone else out, and that kind of thing goes on. So I get the idea that you know he. I, I see. I think, and this is where I'm quest- questioning whether or not this is very much just a kind of a media thing. But the fact we've got three hookers involved, uh, the fact we've got three uh, tight heads involved today. I just, yeah, it, surely this is just something that you do in training. You don't need to show it to the world. It doesn't really need to be practiced because it's such an unlikely scenario. It's more just, I would have thought, that within the camp, within the squad, within the team, people know who's going to do what in, in certain scenarios. It's not something that I feel like we need to, it need, needs to be showcased in a warm-up game, personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that he wants to, you know, he knows who's going to act as these sort of last chance covers mm. and he just wants them to get that experience in a test match situation as opposed to just at training, potentially. Um, but I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense on paper. Yeah. Okay, I mean, look, ch- changing, changing tack slightly, um, 
and I haven't done the maths because I just don't think anyone is capable of doing the maths. But uh, with the world rankings, I believe, despite New Zealand's win uh, today, I believe that both England and Wales and Ireland could theoretically still go to number one in the world off the back of today's results. Is that the case? Um, I thought New Zealand had to lose, but I might be wrong. Well, I originally did, and then I'd read something else, probably another tweet from somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, but I had read <laughs> something that where they were saying it doesn't matter. And I, and, I, and, and I think the justification for that was that basically the way the world rankings system works is that the, the kind of the, the further behind a team you are, the more points you get if you beat them, and the more points they lose if they lose to you. And because Australia and New Zealand were so far apart, last weekend, obviously... Australia stole a lot of points off New Zealand and then but because the gap is still quite big New Zealand beating Australia today is kind of seen as to be expected and therefore so they, don't, really made up. they don't gain very much from it right um obviously I'm assuming we'd have to win by quite a lot so I think England still still would have to win by 16 or you know, oh, more, okay. more than 15 points in order to go to number one uh, I think Wales just have to win but I, I could I could be wrong um we're going to find out before anyone has a chance to to let me know. But um, if assuming that I'm right and assuming that that is possible, is there? I mean, lots of people will say it's irrelevant. It's a World Cup. Who cares about world number one? It's about who's the world champion. How much value do you think it adds to to to, to kind of a team's mentality um, in a situation like this? For firstly, for England, if they were to beat Wales by the, the the required number and go to number one in the world at this point. Does that add anything, do you think? Or do you think these guys are too professional and it's it's irrelevant? And I guess particularly given the, the type of team that he's putting out. Yeah, I don't I don't personally really think it matters and I really don't think Eddie Eddie cares too much about it. Um from the team that he he's picked for, for today even to the team that he picked last week, knowing that if Wales won, they would go and become the top team in the yeah, world. Yeah. I think that kind of shows that he's not really bothered about who's number one in the world. I think he's just bothered about who's lifting that trophy. Oh, 100%. But but I, but I suppose, yeah, so, so on the flip side then, uh, if Wales were to do it, given that they lost last weekend, is that huge for them? Or again, do you think it's, you know, like, like England, they're, they're kind of, they're not in that space where it really matters. It's just about get themselves into the right zone to be ready for that opening game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe with Wales, you look at the team they picked last week when they knew that that, that number one ranking was up up for the grabs and they picked a really strong team. So maybe <laughs> looked it looked like means, they wanted it. <laughs> looks like they wanted it, exactly. Um, so yeah, maybe it might mean a little bit more to to Wales. Um, I just don't think that it's really in Eddie's thinking. Fine. Um, and I think that every single team that have got a realistic chance of winning the World Cup are just focused on that and don't really care about the the rankings at the moment, yeah, which is how it should be. Um, the, yeah, and, and, the, and to be honest, the ranking system is so so bizarre. You know, a lot of people saying the fact that New Zealand had New Zealand lost today, they could have dropped a sixth. Jesus, can so, you imagine? You know, and after ten years at the top spot, clearly they're not the sixth best team in the world just because they lose today. So you know, and likewise, Wales had Wales gone to number one, they've never beaten New Zealand. How can you be the number one team? How can you be the number one team having never beaten, beaten the All Blacks? The All Blacks. So yeah, exactly. yeah, it's all a bit weird the, the whole world rankings thing. But um, fine, we're going to leave that one alone. Um, but yes, New Zealand did win today. It was pretty convincing, and it was almost a record win. They nilled um, the Wallabies. Uh, the Bledisloe Cup is retained. 
lots of question marks. Well, I say question marks. Certainly Twitter and, you know, your Twitter, you're going to get whatever story you want. You just got to look in the right place. But um, lots of people complaining about the consistency of, of the refereeing and the decision making. And, you know, for a long time, New Zealand have obviously been hailed as a team that gets away with far too much. Did you see the game this morning? Yeah, I watched the game this morning. Um, did, did you feel that was the case or, or do you think that's being unfair? A, a little bit. A, a little bit. I felt like they're always going to get the rub of the green at home. Yep. They're always going to get the decisions that they want. Um, but to be honest, I don't think Australia put up enough of a fight for it to really be relevant. Yeah, um, I think the Australians look knackered. And yeah, the guy yeah. they had on the wing, um, the number 14, his name escapes me. He looks like the slowest winger I've ever seen. Not not just in international rugby, but in, <laughs> in Saturday, <laughs> Sussex Saturday League, League 3 rugby. It was... It was ridiculous how slow he was uh reese hodge i think his name was that's it yeah yeah they turned inside out by richie mwanga i know he's quick but you're running he looked like a looked like a second rower yeah you don't want to be um you don't want to be being put quite to that much shame uh, a few weeks out from the start of a world cup in which you're trying to convince people you're in with a shout um yeah they they definitely look like a like a shadow of of last week um and it looks like they just threw everything at last weekend and you know, the, the worry, I guess, is that they've poked the hornet's nest. Um, yeah, uh, that's a worry for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I guess may, maybe it's a good thing that they've got their revenge out of the way now uh, rather than saving it for the World Cup. Maybe they get, you know, maybe they can get complacent again just in time for the, that England uh, final. I'm not sure you get complacent in a World Cup final, but who knows? Um, I don't think it matters if they're complacent or not. We're beating them either way. Exactly. It's already been predetermined, uh, as we've been saying for two and a half years. Um, exactly. I mean, Jakob Piper, I, I mentioned to you just before we started recording, I had assumed that, you know, he does a lot of his refereeing in the Northern Hemisphere. He wouldn't be kind of swayed by, you know, that it is a different style of rugby. It's a, he he seemed quite regularly to be to be letting things certain things go, and then he'd get a, a call in the ear and he'd and he'd come back and change his mind. Um, do you think that referees are, are you know? Do you think the fourth officials have been given, if you like, more power? Um, you know, are they, are they kind of telling the referees, no, you need to go back, you've made a mistake, or are they meant to be there to say? This is what we've seen. You might want to look at it, and then leaving them to make their decisions. I, th- I think that's what it should be, um, but especially especially the um, the All Blacks game this morning, I felt that the the TMO was kind of telling telling the referee almost what to do. Um, I feel like they had an almost almost a disagreement when it came to the the bank hole yellow card. Yeah, um, it, it seemed like the TMO was sort of getting his point across overly. And, and sort of making the referee make the decision that he wanted. Um, and, and, so, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's a big problem in, in world rugby in general, but I think this morning it was probably more more than usual. I mean, I think, personally, I think the fourth official should be there to, to review the information and provide it to the referee, and that's it. So, in those situations, if the fourth official wants to say, I've got something I think you should look at, Yako, they stop the game, he brings it up on the screen and he goes, here's the information. And then he lets the referee decide what to do with that information rather than the ref going, oh, so I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? Oh, and what do you think it should be? I don't think it should be that way. Yeah, um, it slows the game down as well when they're having a, a sort of it conversation. Does. And, and, you know, mistakes are going to get made by referees just like they get made by players. Um, but 
you know, I, I don't think it should be for someone else because the whole point is that you're supposed to be creating, you know, a, a balance. And if, if some referees ref certain things a certain way, whether we agree with the way they're doing it or not, as long as they're doing it on both sides, it's it's fine. But I think when you've got someone else chipping in who maybe refs the game slightly differently, um, it can create the situations where you come away going, was that, was that fairly refed, that game? Um, and I felt at times... Um, that you know, there was there were a lot of offsides taking the man off the ball. Um, that old electric in, 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 yeah, in at the side of the rucks, things like that, which you know happen in, in rugby for sure. But there didn't appear to be any real warnings. I mean, there were there were a surprising number of penalties without the warnings. Um, and then obviously Dane Coles got the card um, when, when he did. But it just yeah, I don't know. It, did, it just felt like it wasn't being managed very well, and he didn't sort of stamp it out early on. Oh yeah, definitely you need. wasn't his his best his best sort of refereed game. That's for sure. Uh, Perinara also uh, very good at the turnover. Rarely seems to go for the ball, <laughs> but very good at kind of grabbing hold of the man and just yeah. hold, and holding on for dear life, keeping he, his knees very, off the floor and getting a penalty. Very good at that, is TJ. It is. Is it something we should be worried about? Is it something we should try and just copy? Like you know, what what's the solution to that? Because how do you? You know, unless unless you you know you do the old have a chat with the referee before the game and say that's actually not a turnover, just want to draw your attention to it and kind of make a thing about it. Um, and it's not like it's some new thing that he's just just started doing today. It's you know it's been happening for a long time. Yeah, is the answer? You know, he, he gets a, he's been getting away with it for a long while as well. Is the answer just to say do you know what if you can't beat them join them and 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 start? I mean, I guess I'm saying it like we don't already do it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we do, but. Um, He's, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's just yeah. You watch it and you think, wow, there's not a, there's not a lot of ways to defend that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I'm hoping they're working on solutions. I think that there's always going to be something that's that some teams do better than others that aren't maybe to the letter of the law. Mm. And and I think if it's something that you think is going to disrupt your game plan or your your potential to win the game, I think it has to be sort of make it public, Eddie. Eddie in a pretty much sort of post post conference sort of sit there and say you know we've seen them do this we've seen them do that and make it make it a thing make the media yeah make the media aware of it put a little bit of pressure on the referee to see it a bit more yeah um i don't think copying it's gonna help i think obviously he's he's really good at it and he's been getting away with it for years so then we just start to do it it's not gonna look right it's gonna look like a foul i think yeah it's gonna look like an infringement um whereas as tj does that so so well that it kind of you see him do it so often you kind of forget that he's not supposed to be doing it yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's a, it's a frustrating one and it's um it's it's definitely it's definitely something that they do very as you say he does it very well and uh, you know part of me feels like it's part of the game isn't it see what you can get away with play on the fringes yeah, and to be yeah. the best you've got to be able to play on the fringes now you know, obviously in theory you've got to be on the correct side of the line but you need to be as close to it as possible um, to take advantage of, of situations, and uh, I, I guess you know if you can if you can do this kind of thing and get away with it, then then you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And fair play. Yeah, if you're going to get away with it, you're going to keep on doing it, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, okay, look, let's move away from from this for a moment. Then um, I want to go back to uh, again an email that you sent us um, a few weeks back when we were sort of starting to talk about World Cup squads and things, and you sent us a a, a pretty I think you've done a couple of them. Actually, you did a great one for the Barbars, but you sent us a pretty uh, uh, comprehensive breakdown of, of your thirty-one man squad. 
uh, for this World Cup. Obviously, this is before various things have come about. Um, and I just wanted to kind of go through and just talk to you about some of the some of the areas where Eddie's obviously gone in a different direction and see what your thoughts are. Um, I mean, front row, Ben Moon, Dylan Hartley, Harry Williams, you selected all three of them. Obviously, none of them are, are involved. Um, we've all, I, you know, as a podcast, we've always been huge fans of Dylan Hartley. We talked, we've talked a lot in various episodes about his leadership and, and you know, for a long time there was, you know, admittedly question marks, you know, on, on whether or not he was quite as good as, um, or, you know, other options at hooker, but that the leadership, because the gap was relatively small at that time, the leadership kind of made up for it. Do you feel like we've made the right call and that actually the gap has widened to the point where as good as a leader as he might be, you've got to take, you've got to take quality over, over that. Or yeah. You, or I mean, still in the Hartley camp. I, I still like Dylan Hartley. I think he was a really, really good England captain. Um, when I picked this, the 31 that I sent over to you guys, I think I had Hartley as, as Jamie George's backup, mm-hmm. uh, just ahead of Cowan Dickey. I think now it's quite clear that Cowan Dickey is probably, probably superior to, to Hartley. Um, yeah, I mean that's the gap that I'm that I'm referring to. I think at yeah. the time, Karen Dickey was better, but I think perhaps the gap was not so big that that the added value of his leadership didn't trump it. But I think now, Karen Dickey's kind of stretched that lead. Um, yeah, to the point and where I think you you can't really have an ex England captain as your third choice for no. not making squads. I don't think it sort of sits right. Um, like I said earlier. I probably wouldn't have replaced him with Singleton. I probably would have preferred Thacker, but I think it was the right choice to leave to leave Hartley at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ben Moon and Harry Williams. Obviously, I suppose the thing with Ben Moon is that he's he's pretty unfortunate. Joe Marler's come out of retirement unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, given that Marler has come out of retirement, the right call, or do you feel like actually, you know, Marler, you shouldn't be able to just retire and then come out of retirement for a World Cup. I mean, the, the fact that it's a World Cup, I think you just take the best man. And unfortunately for Ben Moon and for for Harry Williams, because he can cover, uh, Joe Marler's He's the, man. the better man. He's yeah. the better player. And, um, and I think it makes sense to, if you if you pick Marler, then we haven't got to pick Williams and that space can be used elsewhere in the squad. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, that's, and presumably this is why Eddie's, you know, gone and had a, a chat with Joe and clearly said to him, listen, I need you because not only do I want you you know, in in position, I want you out of position as well. Um, you're covering two spots for me, and, and you know, your country needs you or whatever. And, and um, you know, like he was ever going to turn it down. There's a lot of people saying that he's out of order for coming out of retirement, like almost blaming him. And it's like, look, he's been asked by his country to represent them. <laughs> why? Would, yeah. Why on earth would you say no? Yeah. Why would you say no? It's a World Cup that we've got a, a really good chance of winning. And at the end of the day, he's he's the better player, so he has every right to be there. Yeah, and it's not like he's retired from rugby. He's he's still playing for Quinns. He's just exactly yeah. Um, you nailed the awesome foursome. That was always going to be that always, always going to be the call there. Um, Curry Underhill Wilson again. You know the flankers you got covered. I I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't go with an extra flanker. But you 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 went with the three. You you said exactly this. Just take the three and then Hughes at eight. Um, which again I think we we said that. Are we taking a bit of a risk? You know, as as good as Billy is, and how, and he's always going to be the first choice. Is it a risk not taking an out and out eight, or do you think we've we've got eight covered in, in you know in the event that Billy's unavailable, injured, whatever? To be honest, at the start of of the Premiership season, just gone, I I didn't want Nathan Hughes anywhere near 
near the World Cup squad. Yeah, I just didn't think he was putting good performances in. But then towards the end of this Premiership season, he looked like a man on a mission. Um, and I know that taking Hughes out and bringing in Ludlum gives you extra cover. You've got someone that can play eight, him and Mark Wilson. They can both cover the, cover the flanks. But I do just think having a, a number eight is such an important position. I feel like you need to have a natural number eight. Yeah. And if if Billy sort of has a niggle um, or goes down, I feel like Nathan Hughes, okay, he's not Billy Vinopola, but he's he's a very good backup eight. And still, I do think that, heavy, yeah, I think we might have, over, I think we might have overlooked him um, a little bit. Hopefully it doesn't come to, to bite us on the butt, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because obviously um, one guy that, that did miss out uh, and I think, I think probably just because injury meant that he just didn't have enough time to get himself back and, and fit fit ready for the World Cup with Sam Simmons, who is a completely different eight. I mean, much more a flanker uh, in sort of stature. Um, you know, certainly not a like for like replacement for Billy. But you know, Eddie seemed to like him when he when he was utilising him um, a while back. Had he been fit, would he have been in this squad? Do you think? Um... I mean, he, he's he's. I think he's officially he was fit, but he'd only been back for a few weeks. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a massive. Simmons fan um, just because I think at eight there's you've got to be a bit bigger I think for mm-hmm. international rugby I mean no so, Eddie loves a, a biggie yeah you don't really want you know Sam Simmons having to play eight in a World Cup quarter final against Dwayne Vermeulen in South Africa because he's going to die <laughs> it's a fair point it's a fair point um, and I just think if you're going to bring him as as cover because he can play eight and he, and he can play on the flank I think that Mark Wilson Wilson better does that option. does yeah. that yeah so I just didn't see I just didn't see the need for him mm. personally um, but yeah I might be a little bit biased I'm not a huge Sam Simmons fan <laughs> fair, fair enough mate. in yeah. an in an England shirt in an England shirt yeah and and specifically at eight yeah definitely not at eight um, okay uh, care we we we've kind of covered that already Hines is sort of you know no one really knew who he was and and now they do um, yeah. And and you know he seems to have been a pretty good find for England. So hopefully that continues, and we'll see more good things from him today. Ford Farrell, of course, uh, tens. Um, I, let, we, we'll do it because because obviously I've spoken, <laughs> spoken about it with Dan a lot. But um, yeah, your what are your feelings on Ford Farrell, and then obviously Cipriani uh, as the three options, and Cipriani being left out. I I think Cipriani should be our starting ten. Do you, really? Uh, it's, yeah, it's as simple as that for me. I think he should be starting ten. You have Farrell at twelve, and you put Jonathan Joseph or Henry Slade outside him at thirteen, and have Manu coming off the bench. That's what I think we should do. It's never going to happen. Well, um, I mean, yeah, it's what the decision made now, isn't it? Um, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Well, so so in in his absence, is is Farrell ten or Farrell twelve the better option? Farrell at, Farrell at ten. Only because I feel like when George Ford is at 10 and Farrell's at 12, it's just an extension of Farrell. It's almost Farrell telling him what to do when he gets the ball, where to pass it, what to do with it. You don't really get the best of uh, of George Ford when Owen Farrell's on the field, I don't think. Okay, that's interesting. So so you think Ford actually is better better for England when Farrell's not there and he's maybe yeah, ruling the look, roost a little bit? Look at how Ford played on that tour to Argentina when the boys were away with the Lions. Yeah. And I think he was brilliant. And um, I think he's brilliant week in, week out for Leicester. And I'm just never, never fully impressed with him in an England shirt when he's got when he's got Farrell outside him. Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, we, we obviously talked about this um, in in a few of our past episodes, and you know, we started. Or I certainly started to lean 
more towards the Ford camp after one of our listeners had, had commented on, you know, let's not forget that George Ford has spent an entire season playing behind a receding pack. Um, and, and yet, you know, despite their team performance, his individual performances have been really, really strong for Leicester. Um, and is that something that England might be looking at and saying, look, if the worst was to happen, do we want someone who can, who can still make things happen in that situation? Do you kind of are you on board with that idea, or do you think that you're better off having a Cipriani in that situation to create some something magic? Yeah, I I still think Cipriani. I I think it doesn't matter if you get in if you get in fastball, if you get in slow ball. I think having just Danny Cipriani on the pitch can produce magic. Um, and in in a tight game, yeah, I think I would have that over over a George Ford. Or uh, uh, you know, I I rate George Ford. I really rate him as a ten. I just don't think personally. I think I think I. Danny Cipriani is the best ten in the world for me. Really? Yeah, I, I don't see. Well, he's he's, he's surely he's surely next on the list in the event of something happening. Hopefully, nothing does happen, or maybe if you hopefully it does, I don't know. Um, but so see, we we may yet see him. Uh, Ford is very much a kind of safe pair of hands. I think I've said this yeah. on numerous occasions. Um, you you know what you're getting with him. You're probably not going to get a bad performance, but you're not going to get a phenomenal one either. Um, and it's going to be very much about who does what around him. Um, and I, I guess there are advantages to to that, knowing exactly what you're getting from your 10. You know, I think Cipriani absolutely can create moments of magic. And he can be absolutely genius and certainly can, can be up there uh, with the very best in the world. But perhaps Cipriani has more occasion to... Uh, kind of have these brain farts and, and get it completely wrong and, and in a knockout competition is that something that's concerning well I disagree with that still I think if you look at the Scotland game for instance in the Six Nations as far as I'm concerned Owen Farrell was fly half and captain lost control of that game yeah and that's not something you know Danny gets thrown in Danny Cipriani's face that oh can he control a game can he slow it down when we need to well Owen Farrell couldn't yeah true and I've never seen Danny Cipriani sort of implode like that and just throw wild interceptions and just just sort of go into his shell like do, Farrell did. Yeah, I mean, do you think with Danny Cipriani, the problem is is that no, people don't forget, and so it doesn't really matter Which is, what he yeah, does now. Own, you can't help but re- remember what he was like back in the day, and and you know, as different a player and as different a person as he might be now. You know, people. I mean, Eddie Jones, particularly by, by you know, not by all accounts, but it's it's what people are, are assuming. Just doesn't like him, and that's the problem. You know, he obviously went to Australia. By you know, he, by all accounts, he didn't change very much after he left England and went to Australia. So he's not he wasn't particularly popular over there. He's come back as this new this new player, uh, older, more experienced, more mature. But there's that there's that sort of. Um, devil on his back that's that's still there and there's not a lot you can do about it yeah I, I, I think that's the case to be honest I just think that he, he almost burned his bridges to a point where unless he he knuckled down and did exactly as he was told um, and just I think I think what, probably what they wanted to do was clip his wings a little bit and make him fit the system yeah but I guess that's just um, I, not what you how you get the best out exactly. of Danny Cipriani is it yeah if you do that to Danny Cipriani you're not really picking Danny Cipriani no um, and, and not then, to talk about and, him too much, but and, yeah, and then you probably aren't. Yeah, then then it probably makes sense not to pick him because you're not actually getting what it is that he can deliver uh, exactly. in the first place. Oh, it, it's a debate that is going to continue to rage, and uh, yeah, it's one of those where if things go wrong, which of course they're not going to, everyone will turn around and say, "Why didn't we have Danny Cipriani?" 
Um, yeah, but we're going to win the World Cup, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, shame for him, but it is what it is now. We've got our 31 and we need to get behind it. Uh, so, yeah, moving on to the last few. Tio, do you think... T- so, Dan, I mentioned this to Dan last week uh, or the other day, and um, he is convinced that it's an excuse. Do you think Tio has been dropped because of the incident with Mike Brown, or do you think he's been dropped because Eddie doesn't feel like he's... Get, you know, ha- has has what Eddie needs, and the incident with Mike Brown is the excuse? Um yeah, potentially. Maybe he looked at the, the 15 World Cup and realised that a rugby league convert in the centres wasn't a good idea. Um, I mean, it worries me a little bit because I do feel like, um, you know, the Tuolagi 12 game plan, there isn't a uh, there isn't an alternative option for that. You know, Tuolagi is the only player of that type. Now, I don't, I, I don't think Tio offered the same as Manu by any stretch. But I felt that you know, if if Manny wasn't a- available to play, you had the option of putting Tio in and sticking with that same plan. That that doesn't exist anymore. I I just think when you break it down, Ben Tio is a starting centre for the the British and Irish Lions. Yeah, he's a world class centre, and we have replaced him with Piers Francis. <laughs> Piers Francis, yeah, what the hell? And and I hear the argument of go, he's versatile. We can play ten. Well, we've already got Ford. We've already got Farrell. We've got Henry Slade that can step in at ten. How many versatile backup tens do we need? Yeah. And Jack Noel can play anywhere on the pitch. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's he's going to be playing flanker anywhere in the World Cup final. So. Yeah, or prop or hooker, um, wherever they need him, basically yeah, wherever he wants to play. Does exactly, what he wants. exactly. The roaming, roaming number fifteen or whatever. Um, yeah. But back to back to Piers Francis. I mean, I've I've not been a big fan. I did I did think he played well against Wales last week, but to to select him over Ben Teo, I just think is ridiculous. In all honesty, yeah. All right, final final one for you then. Um, you had Ashton, and actually, I think you you said in your in your email, um, I'm picking Ashton. Unfortunately, he just squeezes out Joe Cock and Asiga. Now, obviously, Ashton has ruled himself out. Cock and Asiga's come in. He seems to have taken that opportunity. He looked awesome last week. We're going to see another another uh, run out from him today. Do you stick by that? I mean, if Ashton was was currently hadn't taken himself out of contention, would you still have Ashton, or do you think Cock and Asiga has kind of stepped above him? No, I was massively wrong. Cock and Asiga's and Johnny May are clearly our starting wingers. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I was wrong. You think May and Cock and Asiga will start? I think they should. I think they should, yeah. And therefore, what would you do, Watson at the back? Because you, you preferred Anthony Watson at fullback, right? I, yeah, I prefer Watson at fullback. So in that situation, um, you'd have Daly on the bench? Or yeah, I'd you... have Daly on the bench. I think I think it might change if it was a big, important game where where we need to sort of, you know, if we get a penalty at halfway, we need Daly on the pitch to, to take all the points on offer. Mm. Um, but for the for our first opening games, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't start I, Daly. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, I, I think... That Kokonasiga will be on the bench. I think he'll come on as an impact player, but it's it's a good problem to have right now because there are you know we haven't even mentioned Noel in that. Um, yeah, and so, we, we've left you know Ashton's not there, uh, Solomona's not yeah. there. We've got so many good wings in this country. Yeah, so many connotations of what the back three could look like, and yeah. and in in multiple scenarios it looks awesome. Um, so I'm not really concerned about what we do there. Um, I think whatever we pick, there's going to be someone that we're going. How could you leave him out? Yeah, I think um, so. And you know that's a, that's a good problem to have. Although I still think that taking six to cover the back five when they're that good is just unnecessary. It's, especially when they're that versatile as well. Yeah. Especially when we've got so much versatility to take to say six seems strange, but you know, like I said before, in Eddie we trust. 
Right. Well, look, we've we've given it a pretty good uh, go having a chat about um, expectations. Well, about what what we're likely to see today in terms of expectations. Have you got a prediction? I have. Um, I think we're going to win twenty-eight twenty-one. Twenty-eight twenty-one. I like so it. Seven gone, points. Seven gone, points. Gone full score. I mean, I've gone for the sixteen-point win because I figure, why not? You know, it's the only way we're going to number one in the world, if in fact that's even possible. Because I'd rather that happen. So, uh, on the basis of that, I probably should have worked this out in advance. Um, I'm going to go Wales twelve. So twenty-eight, isn't it? Yeah. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Twelve. Twelve. Twenty-eight. Uh, to in- yeah, England. Obviously, um, which is obviously yeah, a massive shout, but why not? That's what I like doing on this pod. Um, get get a few people contacting us, telling us you know, how outrageous <laughs> our, our theories are and how we don't know what we're talking about. And, and you know, stranger things have happened. Accuse us of wearing rose tinted glasses because it's not like we've ever confessed to doing that ourselves. But um, I admit hey, to wearing them twenty four seven. It's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. Exactly. exactly. Uh, once again, Billy, massive. Uh, thanks to you for joining us today because it's made this possible because I'm not sure anyone wanted to listen to me talk for an hour on my own. Um, Hopefully it goes down pretty well, sounding pretty good so far. So we will leave uh, you guys listening to to contemplate the build-up to watch the first half. We'll leave you with the anthems uh, just to get you in the mood Um, and we'll be back at half-time to see how the boys are getting on. Billy, that was uh, possibly not quite as exciting as what we were hoping for and what we saw last weekend. What are your what are your initial thoughts on on the game so far? Yeah, um, I think Wales have, have controlled the game. Um, we were good in defence, I thought, to start. Yeah, um, and I thought we could build off that maybe. Um, but if I'm honest, when when Navidi came on for them, I think he made a massive difference at the breakdown that put us under more pressure. And then obviously with with Watson getting put in the bin. They've, yeah. they've really sort of turned the screw a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't help. Um, are, we, are we missing a kind of an out-and-out out seven? You know, someone who can get in there and, and and really kind of compete at the breakdown? Yeah, I think so. Um, Ludlum seems to have taken it upon himself to make sure he, he sort of locates Navidi whenever there's a breakdown. Yeah. But you can tell he's just not at that, that level. Um, there's There seems to be one or two guys hanging off Navidi whilst he's still on his feet. Um Without Underhill or Curry, it's it's going to be difficult for us, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I guess take a step back and say, look, this isn't England's first choice team. Um, you know, put the, the 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 tinted glasses on. It's only it's only ten nil. Um, you know, Wales Wales. I I think mistakenly, I think everyone would agree, mistakenly turning down points early on. You know, you're building for a World Cup, get into World Cup mode, take the points when they're on offer. That's what England did last week, and it um, it just it builds pressure. They didn't. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was it was you know credit to England that when that Wales didn't England managed to to turn that pressure around and 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 deal with it. Um, so positives there. Um, but yeah, they just they seem to be England seem to lack 
some of the fire that he had last weekend. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's not quite so clinical. Maybe maybe they're trying things. I mean, Eddie talked a lot about um, wanting to approach this game uh, and play a different type of game plan. I, I don't know what that is. It is different for sure uh, because we're not winning. Uh, but do, do you think maybe they're just approaching the game differently and, and trying things? I mean, like George Ford, the, the crossfield kick, it's a bit unlike him. Um could have been could have been interesting. Obviously, went a little bit long. Uh, you know, the clearance when we turned the ball over uh, in that sort of last uh, seven or eight minutes, when I think they mentioned in commentary, you know, he picked the ball up and and just hoofed it down the field um, without really looking to see what might or might not be on. Yeah, I, I think um, we seem to be playing a little bit too defensively. I think we were more sort of open and expansive last week, looking to sort of take it to Wales. Um, to this today, it seems like we're trying to neutralise them and. And then sort of build an attack from that. Uh, maybe it's it's the fact that it's you know it's at the Millennium Stadium. We we kind of embarrassed them with our our second string side last week. So you know it's probably ramped them up into a, into another gear. And they were they were ruthless with their try. Uh, we were sleeping, and they saw it and they attacked it and and they got the reward for it. And I Absolutely. mean if that happens in the World Cup, we're we're going to be in trouble. Absolutely. I mean look, if this game comes down to that try, I think uh, you know England can go away and go okay, look, that's something that that's one of those mistakes that you make once. And and yeah. you kind of learn from uh, and you never make it again. Um so so I don't think that's a, a worry uh, so much as, you know, come on wake up. You know, you've always got to be alert and this just proves that teams can if they if they've got the smarts and got someone like a damn beggar who's always looking, they can take advantage of a situation where you're unprepared. So make sure you're never unprepared. Um but you know, te- I, I think you know, ten points is is a, a small enough margin. It could certainly have been bigger. It's a small enough margin that it won't take it, it won't take much to get, for England to get back into this game. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know what kind of changes Eddie makes. Do you expect him to make quite early changes in the second half? Well, yeah, I was thinking about this about half an hour in, and I sort of scanned through the bench, and the only man there that I see being able to make a huge difference is Manu. But I have to be honest, I think Piers Francis has played really well. He's played well in defence, he's hit nice lines, um, he's been pretty solid. So I'm not sure if it's such a yeah, personnel I... change as opposed to a change in how we sort of take take Wales on. Yeah, true. I mean, I guess I guess part of the changes, it's almost like um, by, bringing on, uh, you know, by, by bringing in a lot of changes, you almost... You almost give England a, a kind of a, a free restart, don't you? Because you kind of go, okay, we've got a different team now. Is this yeah. something? Because I feel like with ten points only in the game, it, it's it's not going to take much. England needs something positive um, to just get themselves into, you know, just build a bit of momentum. They, 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 they you know, on the on the rare occasion that they've that they've made breaks, silly mistakes have cost them. Um, you know all the, all the advantage that they've gained, and I just that we need to string something together. And we need to come away, even if it's three points, just something that just kind of gets them back into the game. Because it just feels, you know, last week I was on the edge of my seat for eighty minutes, and and this week it's it just doesn't feel quite quite so. I don't know what the word is. You know, there's something missing. Yeah, um, yeah. It feel, it, I mean, it kind of feels like we're being controlled a little bit by Bigger's boot. Yeah, um, it's not really giving us an opportunity to to gain sort of territory or possession or build build anything and then I suppose that sort of lulls them into a sense of wow's I got control and then and then they use it. Do you know? Yeah and, I don't and think te- go on. Go on. <laughs> uh, ten, I don't think ten points is beyond us by any means. I just think we really need to to make something happen. Like you say, get the scoreboard going and then build on that. I, I feel like this is, you know, 
this is this is the sort of scenario where we could see England play a completely different game in the second half. But, I hope so. But, uh, and and until it doesn't happen, I'm believing that's what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I just they just they, they need something, you know, whether it's someone to just step up and 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 do do something and just just get the team going to give them that little morale boost. I mean, maybe just the chat they're going to have at half time. Um, just kind of talk themselves back up, talk themselves back into this game because they're by no yeah. means out of it. And uh, I think that's the key thing. It, it felt a little bit towards the end, like they'd almost, they almost felt like they were out of the game. Yeah. Which of course it, they're not. Yeah, they kind of, I think they just sort of took the sting out of it. And then with 10 men, we were just hoping, uh, sorry, with 10 men, um, <laughs> with 14 men, hoping to sort of not concede again, it looked like. Yes. We didn't want to give away a penalty and let them get another three or, or give away another try. So I think maybe once once we get Watson back on the on the field, um, we can sort of give it a go, but I, I think it's important that we don't don't concede again, especially another try with yeah. fourteen men. Are I they... think I would. I'd like to see Manu come on. Um, they were sort of really sort of stretching us wide early. Yes, um, I think with Manu up the middle, they, they're not going to be able to do that as much because if he makes pull, a break, you're not stopping him with one man. Yeah, it, it, will, it will tighten them up a little bit. Uh, we've, we've been a little bit inaccurate as well. So, yeah, they've been they've definitely been been mistakes and and you know kind of the, the silly ones. I mean, just it's always frustrating, isn't it, when there were when when there were those sort of silly errors that you know are just unnecessary. Um, yeah, I mean, twice now we've been pinged for for intentionally knocking the ball on. You know, you learn this at school. This, that that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, at, at this level and five, you know less than five weeks out from a World Cup, um, you know we don't want to see that kind of thing. Um, but I felt, you know, I felt like England were, you know, defensively in good, good control for the first sort of seven or eight minutes, maybe ten minutes, and then it just, it just seemed to take the foot off the gas a little bit. And all the talk about, you know, Eddie talking about how he wanted England to be really physical. Defensively, they've been really physical. They just haven't put their stamp on on attack yet. And I just want, yeah. to, I want to see something from them that just yeah. sparks the, you know, all fifteen of them back into action because I feel like it's there, it's simmering just under the surface. But yeah, I, I think it's going to need something to kickstart it. It's something we can definitely get. Um, I mean, there is some positives though. I mean, Daly's been really good under the high ball. Yeah, bigger sort of. He quite... tested him a couple, couple of times, and then he he went right. That's not working. I'll, I'll go and test Big Joe. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, totally... and that could end up being a, a a problem for them because you know whilst. Whilst he's relatively untested with the high ball, if he if he does take it with space to build up, you know, some, yeah, some they're spin, in trouble. You know, he's 120 kgs and the second quickest guy in the England squad. So, um, yeah. if he brings that down with uh, with with grass in front of him, they could they could be on the hills. Yeah, so that would be an interesting one to watch. But uh, I think Biggers, you know, give them credit. I think Biggers playing very well, and you know, for all of the people saying he's a last 20 type of player, you know, he's he's controlling the game brilliantly for well. So. Um, he's he's the problem man for England right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it, the fact the fact that we're dominating them at, at set piece time with our with our sort of second choice pack, you know, give or take a couple of guys yeah. is is something that really sort of we should take and, and build on from it and look at it as a, a real positive. I think again from last week and it, it stayed the same. Yeah, absolutely. Same and, and I think this is this is what Eddie's looking at, isn't it? <clears throat> this is what these warm up games are for him. It's it, it's it's about. It doesn't matter what we the the supporters think. It doesn't matter about the results, really. I mean, yes, you know, having a winning run there, are, you know, it helps. Um, but the key thing is is identifying things and being able to go go come away from the game at the end and, and sort of say, you know, these are the areas that we are, you know, we're really positive and we're doing it with a with a second or third string option in some cases, 
that's that's something to be proud of and to take into the next game and the one after and then ultimately into the World Cup. So yeah, but they're going to turn it around. <clears throat> I might have I'm to sure. revise my uh, twenty-eight twelve because um, yeah, maybe. So it's I mean, it's now twenty nine thirteen. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Why not? We'll uh, take it. Okay, great. Let, let's let's get back to it because uh, obviously a yeah, big second half needed from England, um, and uh, we should come back at the end hopefully with a slightly more positive outlook. Um, but we can uh, we can digest it all then. Yeah, that's it. I'm confident. Come on, the boys. Let's do it. Catch you guys then. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Uh, Billy, uh, obviously not the result we were hoping for at half-time, but we did say if it comes down to that try, um, and uh, and Eddie said at the end there, um, perfect conditions for a World Cup warm-up game. And yeah, and he's right. He's he's correct. You know, there was it was clear that one one team treated that as a as a World Cup warm-up game, and one team treated it as a World Cup final. And I think that'll show when it gets to the World Cup. Yeah, I think you know. It, Obviously, the purpose of this podcast is to put a positive spin on absolutely everything that England do. Um, but I think you know it is you know it is a World Cup warm-up game. It would be great to be unbeaten all the way through to beyond the final. Um, just means we're going to have to wait until the, the actual World Cup starts, or at least until next weekend, uh, to, to to have that unbeaten run. Um, but you know, we needed you know a lot of a lot of people saying of last weekend, England know how to perform. You know when they're winning. Um, but they struggle when they when they're put under pressure. So we needed pressure kind of scenarios, uh, you know, in order to to kind of prep, especially with some of the younger, less experienced players. And it's, a, it's a, you know it is a fairly inexperienced squad. Um, so yeah, that, it was a test match in that respect. You know, ten ten six. Not no, it was actually it wasn't ten six, was it? It was thirteen six in the end. Thirteen six. You know, and, and they were tested, and there was a definite. You know, people will say, "Well, you only put six points on when you brought on your first team, if you like, or not your first team, but your your, your super subs." Um, but we only gave them twenty minutes. You know, if, if they can if they can do that in twenty minutes, and it takes a while to kind of really get into the game, we've got to be thinking. Do you know what? Actually, we can hold our heads up, or they can hold their heads up. <laughs> Throw myself in with them, um, <laughs> because because you know. If, this this is essentially a, a predominantly a second team that's gone out against a Welsh, maybe not first team if they were picking, f- you know, from everyone including the injured players, but nevertheless the best team that they were able to field in Cardiff, where we know it's always difficult. Um, and I thought they, they you know, they, they did all right. There, there were there were mistakes for sure. Uh, there are definitely things to work for them to work on. Um, but yeah, I think. We said it at halftime, as I say. Um, you know that try. You, watching it back, it's just frustrating. It feels like it's unfair. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there was something about it that you just thought, oh, okay. yeah, it felt, yeah, it felt like they. I mean, it's it's probably our fault. You know, we didn't, we weren't awake. We we sort of thought, oh, they're going to wait for us to to get our man in the bin, and they're going to wait for us to bring on on Young Z for Hines. Yeah, and you know they they don't have to. They they like like Young Z said in in the pre match in or post match interview. You know, it was smart play from them. They took an opportunity, and it was it was well well done. But 
it won't happen again. No, well, this is the, this is the big the, the point, isn't it? it? You know, they did take an opportunity, um, but it but it's not the sort of thing that needs working on. You, you simply go right. Well, yeah, we clearly need to be thinking about that in future. Yeah, and so it, it's just yeah, it's not a mistake that you make again. Um, I guess the biggest worry perhaps is the line out drive. You know, a, a, a huge strength for England last week, a huge strength generally. Um, yeah, and they struggled today. I think, especially if the you know the last one, the one that kind of put the nail in the coffin for the game. I, you know, we're playing. We're playing Wales in Wales for them to go number one in the world. Like I said, they're treating it like a World Cup final in front of their crowd. I think if that's that's a different situation in Japan where they haven't got a full stadium, they're not at home. I think we drive that over and score. Yeah, with, with our big boys. Um, I'm I'm not too worried about today. I like the fact that same as last week, we we kind of we've had problems before with swinging momentum. Like against against Scotland when they when they got on the upper hand, we just mm-hmm. couldn't slow them down. I thought last week in the second half when Wales started to sort of gain a bit of control and score some points, we did well, sort of slowing down the game and, and cutting the momentum and putting some points back on the board. And I felt the same again in the second half. Um, we come out, we we scored, we scored some points. We got that early three. Um, we kind of didn't let it run away from us. And I think that's all you can ask for in in a build up to a World Cup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, we, we said, didn't we, that you know, England needed to take first blood. They needed something to give themselves a little bit of momentum. And they came out and, yeah, in the first 10 minutes, two relatively quick penalties, six points, um, four four points in the game. And, and you know, unfo- and, and it stayed that way until the last sort of seven minutes or eight minutes or something. Um, yeah. So they gave themselves the chance. Uh, they just weren't quite clinical enough to, to convert the, the game. And, uh, you know, you can argue that, that you know, had had we gone out there with a full strength side right off the bat, different story. Um, but it's about building a squad of thirty one, not building a team of fifteen, and it's about you know, preparing for a tournament that's going to have multiple scenarios. And yeah, I think I think there's definite uh, positives to take from it. And and I guess you know as much as it'd be nice to to just be unbeaten, in some ways, it, you know, the, the harder the ride to the World Cup the more you're going to learn from it and the more opportunities you have to put things right to be fully kind of prepared for what you're going to face when when the competition starts and particularly, you know, touch wood when you get into the knockout stages. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure in 2003 in one of the warm-up games, we lost a close game to France in France. So it's not the end of the world. It's not like you've got to go unbeaten in your in your warm-ups at a World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just about, like you say, building, building the full squad, all getting them sort of game time in the legs and playing as a cohesive unit. I think we did that today. I think we we can hold our heads up high. Played a good game, um, and like you know, we started with our main second stringers against the now number one team in the world's first team. Yeah, well, exactly. And, I mean, it, so speaking of which, so is Eddie Jones now playing mind games already? That was the, that was the best thing I've ever heard him say. It was brilliant. The number one um, team in the world, the deserved World Cup favourites. Yeah, exactly. Puts the pressure. I think he did that to Ireland in the build-up to the Six Nations when we went and beat them in Dublin. Yeah. He did the same thing. He said, you know, they're, they're the favourites. They're the, probably the best team in the world. I think they were second to New Zealand at the time. And, you know, they're probably favourites to go and win another Grand Slam. And we got to Dublin. It obviously rolled up our boys and um, put a bit of a beating on them. And um, I think he's, he's going to be using that for Wales. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, got a bit of Jose Mourinho about him. Are you uh, are you an Alan Wynne Jones fan? Uh, yes, I am. If he was English, I would. I would. Of course, we'd love, son, love him. Alan Wynne, but he's not. So it's just frustrating how good he is. Um, 
But I, I, I feel like he holds quite a lot of power over referees because of who he is, because of his stature. Um, you know, when it when they were sort of having a bit of handbags. But he's always um, in the middle of it. He's he yeah, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't lead by example in terms of don't get involved in that because you never know which way the referee is going to take take it. No. He's always the one right in the middle of it. Surely, yeah, I think a, he knows he's got a leader of men. Yeah, it's it, that, I mean maybe that's probably why I have a problem with him because it's you know he's he's got that and he's not English. Yeah, I mean it's mainly the not English bit, but but yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like he just sort of knows that he he's got the ref's ear and he can swing it the way he wants to swing it because I felt Faz had a, a point saying you know we didn't start that that was that was sort of the Welsh boys not playing to the whistle and and you know worried worried that we've got the territory at the moment and somehow Alan Wynn managed to managed to swing it swing it around yeah, yeah it's frustrating um, I, I think I can't remember, I, I meant to ask the question. I don't think I actually asked it before we before we started this. But um, one of the things Dan asked last week was who had the most to prove. Um, who do you think had the most to prove, and who and who you know who do you think stepped up, and who who do you think maybe fell short? So I, I listened to the podcast that you and Dan put out before, and I was I was thinking when he, when he relayed the question, it, it kind of got me stumped because I didn't really think there was anybody. I felt that way. Um, but if I had to pick someone, and it might be a little bit left field, but I would say Dan Cole. Okay. I just, I just feel like with with Sinclair's hot head and his temper, there might have been a, an opportunity for Dan Cole to start a game where we need a solid scrum and we need, we need our discipline. Um, so I thought maybe maybe Dan Cole. It's a difficult question. I don't think there's a a real answer. But if I had to sort of give one, it would probably be Coley. Um, I don't really think he put his hand up today. No. Looked like he was struggling. Looked like he was quite tired. He's getting um, old, isn't he? Yeah, exactly that. Right. Um, and if he's not, I apologise, but he looks it. No, he's he's, <laughs> he's definitely getting on a bit. He's definitely getting on a bit. But I don't think Sinks has got anything to worry about from that performance. Well, you know what? It's it's one of those where, um, you know, Carl Sinclair, the hothead, and often with, with guys like this, you give them a bit of experience, you give them a bit of sort of seniority, and they, and they calm down. And it's almost like because you brought Genji in, He's kind of taken over that mantle, yeah. Uh, and so it'll be interesting, to, interesting to see whether we have two of them or whether actually um, Genj becoming the kind of the young hothead actually kind of simmers Kyle down a bit, uh, which would be great. I mean, we don't we don't want them to lose the edge. This is the thing, isn't it? You can talk about yeah. you know not wanting to give away silly penalties, and that's absolutely right. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the edge. Um, and you want you want a bit of that feistiness, you know. If you're playing against Wales and they do start something, you want the guys to turn around and respond. You know, don't get yourself oh, sent yeah. off, but but yeah. also don't back down, and, and you know, because it fires everybody up. And you know, Genji and Sinks aren't going to take any aren't going to take any no. crap from anyone. I thought um, as a, as a unit, I thought all of them today were it was great. Every time there was any kind of scuffle, literally the entire. Uh, the entire team got involved, and you know, what can a referee do in those situations? Yes, yeah. I mean as it's a clear-cut starter, yeah, as it should be as well. I mean, especially against Wales. Yeah, um, you, you got your if he's wearing a white shirt, you've got his back to the end. Well, and I wonder um, whether that's what Eddie was talking about at the end when he was talking about you know they were asking you know what have you learned from today, and you know he was saying you know some of the big takes from from this game has been that sort of solidarity of the of the whole. The whole team, the whole unit, um, you know, the way that they play for one another, and I, I wonder whether he's referring to these situations where they've all just kind of come together, um, you know, in defence yeah. of one another, kind of no matter what, because that's what you do, and it's a World Cup, and it's a squad, and and you know, you need to be playing for one another. You can't you can't be playing as an individual, and hopefully that's one of the reasons why he's named the thirty-one now. Lots of people questioning why he's why he's not waiting. 
because uh, of course I think he's got until uh, the 8th of September I think yeah he's, he's got until early September I like the fact that he hasn't waited it builds a cohesive team everyone knows where they stand um, and, and it, and it controls it controls the narrative in the media you know instead of it, it being speculation about who he's going to select and instead of these yeah. games then becoming about individuals needing to put in individual performances in order to be selected it's like you know we've got our 31 and it, and it enables him to do things like mixing the teams up as he has been you know if you didn't have your 31 yet I don't think you could do this kind of thing because it would make no sense. Um, not not that he went nuts, but obviously Singleton in the back row, um, you know, Marla playing both sides of the scrum. I did think at one point we were going to see Ford move to nine uh, when oh, when Farrell moved into ten and Tuilangi went outside. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm quite glad we didn't as well. And, and hopefully Willie Hines is is okay. And it was a bit of a niggle, and he's. I don't know whether when he went off the second time, whether that was a substitution or whether he was still struggling. I mean, he looked like he was a big clear out he took on the top of his head, I think, that, that mm. rocked him. He got up really slowly from that. The, se- um, the second time or the first time he went off? No, the first time. Right. The first time he took a big, I yeah. can't remember, I think it might have been Navidi just cleaning him out, but straight on the top of his head. That's when um, he went HIA, right? And he came back on yeah. after half time. Yeah, that was that one. And then but he I'm went off sure. again maybe 10 minutes later. So I don't know whether that was then the kind of the yeah, official not, changeover or. I, I'm not sure if he had fully recovered from, from that clamp that he took, in all honesty. I, mean, I think you'll be all right. In terms of looking at, at uh, because I agree with you, I don't think there are many people who are trying to really prove, you know, there's no one who really needed to perform to kind of justify their selection as such. Um, but I think there were definitely one or two who needed to perform to, to maybe become the starter. Um, yeah. And obviously the Heinz-Youngs debate. How did you feel that went? Um, do you think Ben Youngs, with his experience, is the sensible starter? Or do you think Willie Hines actually is offering more? Yeah, I think Willie Hines controls the game better. Mm. I and really he's quicker. Do. Um, I felt Ben yeah. Youngs was really quite slow. And, and, and at a point when, when actually you're trying to turn the pressure up and you've brought on your super subs, uh, you know, and you're trying to turn a, a close game um, and get the momentum, I, you just you can't afford to to sl- you know be slow at every breakdown. And I, I kind of felt like he was he was a bit slow at the breakdowns. Yes, yeah, so, I mean we had a we had a good opportunity um, in inside the Wales 22 and he's, he's he slowed us down and he, he it was a pretty poor pass to Courtney Laws that he knocked on and yeah. it, it you know cost us cost us all the good work to get into that position um I just don't think I, I like I like nines to be you know sort of a little bit nimble can get about a little bit like Danny Kerr like a Hines yeah and I yeah I kind of agree with you I think Youngsies maybe maybe not not where he needs to be but we know that Eddie likes him well I was going to say that so the, the trouble is is that um you know Eddie when we when we had assumed Young's care was the the likely preparing, you know we often said that Ben Young's doesn't offer as much as a finisher as Danny Care does, and so Danny yeah. Care we felt for a long time had played himself into that finisher role because of the way he plays, and actually yeah. having him start and bringing on a Ben Young's to finish a game it didn't it wasn't Ben Young's isn't so much of an impact player. Yeah, um, I think. I, are we think in the same pick, boat with only two scrum halves? And, and actually, because of it, you have to start Ben Youngs so that you can bring on a Willie Hines to turn the turn the sort of the the, the whatever the saying is, you know, in that last twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, I think if you pick Youngs in the squad, you've got to start him because he doesn't offer much coming on as a as a finisher, as Eddie likes to call them. Yeah. Um, so if he's in the squad, he has to start, um, and there's no point in talking about what ifs of him not being in the squad. So I kind of think it's. That's the likely it's way gonna, it's going to go. Yeah, I kind of think he's going to be starting at, at nine and, and Faz at ten. Okay. Um, in ter- you know, again, looking at uh, combinations, looking at people who can play out of position, 
Are we are we now looking at Jamie George as a potential winger? I love Jamie George. That that little break down the side and and oh, more more importantly the dummy. Oh, was it Alan Wynn? I think he was. Well, he sold him, sold him down the river with that. I mean, I don't think it was, but let's say it was. Well, it is now. It was now. Exactly. It was definitely Alan Wynn. Forevermore. Alan Wynn Jones got sold. Uh, Sold down the river. I mean, that was was awesome. And it was just a lovely little bit of play. And, you know, it just highlighted Watson's gas as well when he did get on the end of the ball. And obviously, there's only so much you can do in, you know, three feet of space. Um, And, you know, he he did well. But you'd expect the number one team in the world and the favourites for the World Cup to to make that tackle, um, and they did. So um, yeah, well that that's that's it. I think we put a good performance in against the the World Cup favourites. So you know, hopefully we can we can step it up and and beat them if we do have to face them in in the World Cup. That seems to have their name written all over it. Indeed. Um, next weekend we've got Ireland. Are, are we going to? Is Eddie going to change things up? Are we going to see another experimental side? Um, you know, what, what would you like to see? What do you think we're going to see? I, w- I would like to see our our, our gun 15. Yeah. I'd like to see the, the 15. If, if the World Cup final was today, that'd be the 15 they'd put out. Because I don't think we're going to see that against Italy and Newcastle. No. Um, so I'd like to see at least in one of the warm-up games we put put the big boys out, even if it's for just a half, you know, for just 50 minutes, you know, and then wrap them up in bubble wrap after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so, I think that's the, the plan. And, and, so, and, and so for, for you, is that uh, is that Sinclair George and, and Mako? I'm guessing is going to be is not going to be available for that anyway. So it's not necessarily yeah. going to be the, the first the first fifteen. But um, who do we have then? Mar, would you go Marla? Marla yeah, George Marla, Sinclair. George Sinks. Yeah, um, Marrow. Yeah, and Laws probably. Okay, yeah, he hasn't had it. He hasn't actually had a go in the in the row yet, has he? No, I think that's our best row pairing. Um, and Cruz on the bench, or, or would you? Yeah, or would you go? No, with I'd have bench? I'd have Cruz on the bench. I like Cruz over. Yeah, I do. I'd have so him on the bench. Um, and then in obviously, so you're then going Billy on the third a third yeah, game in a row, third game in a row. But then if you do that, you kind of got to pull him after fifty and then rest him completely against Italy, which isn't the end of the world. Uh, and I guess the um, other problem we've got with putting together, put, putting out a, a, a sort of a first fifteen, if you like, is will Underhill and or Curry be available? Because one of those two is the seven that we really missed today. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I thought I thought Ludlam did really well. Uh, he played he played well, but I think like they were saying in commentary, you know, he is a six, and yeah. and the trouble is, you know, he is he is young, he is inexperienced, and you, you know, you, you ask a guy like that who's on his you know only on his second cap to play essentially out of position. He can only give what he, what you know, what yeah. he, what it is that he does, and so what we got was two sixes, and so we really, we really struggled to compete the breakdown. And when you're up against, you know, the likes of Navidi, yeah, he's um, a beast at a breakdown. That boy, you, you need to be able to give as as good as you get, and that just wasn't ever really going to happen with with the players that are available to us right now. Yeah, um, and it's an interesting one because it's it's it, so it sounds like well, that's a that's a worry, right? And yet we have two, you know, potentially if not already world class sevens. Nursing niggles. Oh, for sure. I think they're both world class. So, I, I would, I would happily have one at six and one at seven. Oh, and just well, go. when they, we we were gutted, I mean, we've been calling for that for for months. We really yeah. wanted to see it, and when it was announced that that's what they were going to play last weekend, we were really excited about seeing it. And then, of course, yeah. one unavailable, Underhill unavailable for injury, and uh, Curry lasted thirty minutes, but looked awesome in that first thirty. He um, just is. He's so unbelievable. I, I feel like you know, him today would have made a difference. 
you know, or Underhill. Yeah, either having one having that, that really ability sort of... to put pressure on yeah. them at the breakdown because we, well, just we just would have. Yeah, we would have been able to contest it a little bit better, mm. I think, and really sort of not given Wow's the, the sort of one the the dominance there, but then also the confidence of once they've once they've won a few and dominated that area, they kind of you know our players look like they didn't really think they could win it. Yeah. You know, it looked like if Navidi was over the ball, he was over it, and you're not moving him. Um, when you've got Underhill steaming into you, that's not the case. Yeah, no, true. So, so if we're assuming that Billy at least starts again at eight because you were going gun 15, Wilson at six? Yeah, Wilson at six. And then um, cross our fingers that one of Underhill or one is available. I'd, I'd yeah. hopefully Underhill um, because, you know, we haven't seen him yet and we haven't seen him. I think we, we last saw him against New Zealand, didn't we? Yeah, he hasn't played for a while. He's when been he, injured a lot for Bath as well. When he, when he won the game, but it was disallowed. Yeah, that was a load of crap as well. Yeah. For, to, a story for another or not a story yeah. a discussion for another time um, and then are we assuming that Youngs gets a start from what we've just said yeah I, I think you've got Hines to start him if he's yeah if, if he's going to be the man that, that, that Eddie would start in a World Cup final then he has yeah. to be the man that starts against Ireland I think with, with Faz at 10 Faz at 10 Tuolagi 12 um, both of whom haven't had a start yet um, yeah probably Slade at 13 s- yes so if Slade's fit you go him at 13 otherwise I think JJ yeah. again yeah, if not, then JJ. Uh, May, you bring in on one May. wing. Do you, do you stick with Cock and Seager? Do you go Watson again? I mean, how did you think Watson got on today? Obviously, the yeah. yellow card didn't help. Few couple of errors, but the gas looked awesome. And other than the, the mistake, you know, he was there were a couple of really tasty high balls that he did brilliantly with. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, Watson's obviously got the experience and, and the ability to deal with a high ball, but. I, I kind of, I kind of like to see fucking a single player as much international you know rugby what? as I, he can. I would, I would rest daily next week. I'd say, that. look, we're and not, we're not making, yeah, we're not making a decision right now. But we know what he's capable of. He's had two, two games in a row. He's looked solid. Um, you know, Wales, Wales thought that, that the high ball was going to be a problem. He, he, he dealt with it. Um, but yeah, stick Watson at fifteen. See what he's got in the locker because you're considering him as an option there. Um, and yeah, and that, and then you've got Cock and Seager on one wing, May on the other. Uh, so you've got yeah some serious gap. You've got your two quickest players in. Well, you've probably got your three quickest players in the squad players, across the back three. Yeah. And um, I think if you've got two of your back three that are good in the air, you can kind of have one that might not be so fantastic. Yeah, true. Uh, and and actually, do we do we know what Cock and Seager's like in the air? He wasn't really tested. They they went they went once. Did I did I miss something? Was was there? A... No, it's, it's it just looks like he he sort of maybe lacked a bit of confidence or maybe just not as comfortable in like taking balls high balls in in the air or just yeah. not had the experience doing it that the other guys have had. He needs to. Day, he... That's that's not what he's there for. No, but 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 you know, pretty useful if he's if he's first first man to the ball. You don't yeah. want to be the guy competing against that, do you? Oh God, no! Running, running full pelt into 120 kgs. Yeah, uh, I mean that's where you, you make a business decision and slip or fall over or something. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean that's that, to me that sounds like a pretty uh, a pretty tasty 15. Is there a danger that if you go that route and you and you say we're going to play a, you know a gun 15 as it's been labelled, is there a danger that a little bit like Wales last week, a loss is a massive setback, or is that something you can't really be be, you, can, can you not really look at things that way this close to a World Cup? Do you just have to back yourself? Yeah, I, I don't think it particularly. I don't think a loss particularly matters. Uh, you know, if, if Eddie Jones has said that that none of the World Cup games, are, they're, they're just warm up games, then they're just warm up games. 
but you know, which 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 I think you can, which I think you can say, um, you know, when you're trying things out. But if you go, this is my number one team. This would be my World Cup final team. You know, I know that in, yeah. in reality it doesn't matter because you get another bite of the cherry in the World Cup itself. But psychologically, that's a that's a big blow, isn't it? Two weeks out, three weeks out. I mean, potentially, I don't particularly think so. I think the media would have a field day with it potentially, yeah. but I don't think you know it's it's all good saying. Well, this is the World Cup team, and they they can't beat Ireland in a, a World Cup warm up. But at the end of the day, it's not World Cup final day. Yeah, true. I mean, it's, South Africa yeah. in two thousand and seven lost three of their warm up games, or maybe yeah. all four of their warm up games, and then ended up winning it. So exactly, you you catch fire and things happen. I wouldn't look too much into it. I just think that you're going to want your top team out for at least a half together before before they head to oh, Japan. Hundred percent, and, I, and I think you do. It. You, you you want to test them against a stronger opposition. You don't want to test yeah. them against. I, I think you if know. you put them out against Italy, it kind of looks like you're protecting them from that. It looks like you're protecting them from from the media getting on their back if they if they don't pick up a result against yeah. Ireland. So you think you go you go gun fifteen against Ireland. Uh, you have got a week off. And then you actually go with a with a another kind of slightly out of left field side for Italy, or you? Yeah, that's what I would do. That's what you, I would do. You know, kind of I'd, I'd mix let, it up. let them play against Ireland, the, the top team, and then the real important guys, Farrell, um, Billy. Yeah, because it gives them two I, or three I, weeks I'd off rest then up. before the yeah. Tonga game. Um, yeah. And then I asked Dan this question: going into the World Cup, we got we we kind of right. So, how do you feel about the the schedule? Because we basically our, our games just get gradually tougher, and we we discussed this, and we kind of said, look, is this a positive? Because actually, you know, it's it's this kind of incrementally slowly getting uh, more difficult, and so you're kind of building into the tougher games. Or would you rather get some tough games out the way early on, when you can play some of your stronger player, your stronger guys, so that you can then start to rest some of them because there's a long way to go. No, I, I think it suits us to to have the the you know Tonga and the USA first up. Uh, where we might not have to pl- to play the big boys for the the full eighty or for even you know the game, you can rest some of them. Bring them off the bench, um, and then yeah. yeah, exactly, and then lead it up. So gradually, as the competition gets further in, these games become knockout games, and we're probably in that mindset before some of the other teams that have got a bit of an easier pull. Yeah, because it's a it's it's a danger perhaps as well if you have a you know a couple of tough games, and then you kind of have a an easy run for a few weeks and then suddenly you're back into full on test match yeah. mode and, and you've kind of yeah. maybe slightly out of out of test match practice. True. Yeah, that's it. Um so yeah, well look, but I think bottom line, uh it was a positive not a not a positive result, but it was you know that there are positives to take out of it. It could have been worse. They are the number one team in the world. Um uh, they are the favourites for the World Cup, according to Eddie Jones. Um and an England second team came pretty close. In a in a warm up game, so yeah, definitely. yeah. After after the second team beat them the week before, yeah. So well, exactly. It's, it's looking good. I think. I think it's really looking good for us. Positive stuff, and yeah, the the next couple of games will be will be interesting, particularly if we do get a chance to see uh, the first the first choice side uh, come out against Ireland uh, next weekend. Um, and uh, I don't yet know whether Dan's going to make an appearance for that one, but uh, with any luck, if he's not, Billy will be around to. To, to help us out and uh, likewise throughout the World Cup if there are you know, times when we're struggling if you're happy to join us again we'd love to have you back on um, anything you want to add before we allow these guys to, to head off and enjoy the rest of the weekend uh, just want to thank you guys for 
for letting me be a part of the pod, let me be a part of uh, England's future World Cup win. And um, just to just to remind Dan that we did actually Eastbourne beat East Grinstead in the Sussex Cup final two years ago. Um, and since the money man's gone, they're, they're pretty awful. So he can put that in his pipe and smoke it. Well said, sir. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the, the semi-live pods that we're going to be doing throughout the World Cup. Um, as I always say, if you get the opportunity, head over to iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know what you think. Um, if you've got anything you want to add, if you've got any questions for us um, or you know, stories you want us to share or just really anything you want to get in touch and have a chat, uh, email us englandrugbypod at gmail.com or you can reach us on social media at englandrugbypod um, and we will no doubt catch you again midweek to uh, to discuss what the team will look like for next Saturday back at HQ against Ireland we'll catch you then <laughs>